Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. I'm Brooke McCallery. Thank you very much for joining us. And my name is Ben McCallery and welcome to episode 183, which is going to be a hostful. Another hostful. We've got cracking questions. Another five or so cracking questions. We do. And in some ways, we have answered some of these in our recent live video call. Actually, that's true. We did answer a couple of these uh, yeah, on the on the Patreon supporter call, which was very fun. Yeah. For everyone who has either, they either showed up during the recording or has watched it since. Thank you. It was really fun. It was such good fun. We had, yeah, uh, people turn up and enjoy it live, but we've also had a whole heap of people look at it and listen to it since then. So thank you, our Patreon supporters. Very much appreciated. It was. If you are interested in next month's call which will be on the 30th of august you can find out more over on the patreon page uh patreon.com slash slow if you are already a supporter it should be there you should get an email a few days beforehand uh telling you where and when and if you wanted to to join up so you can kind of dial in to that month's call then you can do it over at patreon it was a lot of fun it was we you know what and it was uh, only a fairly small group of people but it was very international we had someone from wales we had someone from the netherlands we had australians yeah yeah it was very cool it was really good really good anyway so that was lots of fun and uh yeah join us next month please do did you want to talk about pre-orders of your second book sure i do uh, so, as you know, <laughs> I always get so self-conscious. Anyway, um, Slow comes out in Australia and New Zealand on the 1st of September and it's currently available for pre-order. And for everyone who has pre-ordered it in the past couple of weeks, I just want to say thank you because it's like a, it's on the best-selling list and it hasn't even been uh, released yet. So that's all down to every single person who has pre-ordered it. It's made a huge difference and it will be available for pre-order for another couple of weeks, about 25% off over on Booktopia if you order it now. But if you head to the website, just go to today's um, today's post over at sellyourhome.com slash 183, you will find links to all of those places that you can buy or pre-order the book. So massive, massive thank you to everyone. Absolutely. Let's get into it. Okay. All right. The first question comes in via Kerry and she asks, do you ever have times where your views of slow living differ? Or that one of you surprises the other with their viewpoint. <laughs> now, we've been married for 12 years. So. 12? 11? 10. 10. 10 years. We've been married for 10 years, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> so we differ on our uh, the importance of dates, first of all, and, and sentimental milestones. milestones. Yep. I, I have slightly uh, more uh, interest in them than Ben. <laughs> He's over there kicking relationship goals as we speak. <laughs> That's so good. And I'm so, I'm so glad we've I've done that recorded for prosperity. Mm. So tell me, do you think our views differ? Mm. 
I think they're differing less and less as time goes on. But yeah, absolutely. I do. We so, have a lot of different viewpoints, but I, I, str- I really struggle to find them in relation to slow living, yes. hashtag brand of slow living. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, because we don't often talk about things in terms of viewing it through the lens of slow living. Like that's just mm. a way that we we do life. And I think it's just a, that's a way of capturing a particular philosophy and i just don't think that we yeah you're right we don't we don't talk about things in that regard yeah very often yeah uh, in saying that i think that there are certain things that work for me in terms of slow living that can fit under the umbrella of slow living that just don't work for you you've tried or you haven't tried that's very true mm. yeah. so th- like yoga and meditation for example are solidly in this idea of slow living and neither of them really have stuck for you? Really? Yeah, none of Yoga, yes, so. definitely. But meditation, yeah, it's still not on board that train, mm. so to speak. And I'm not, not going to say never, but you're right. Some of the things that we do in terms of our mindful exercises mm. are not the same. No. So they do differ. For example, well, tomorrow's a good example. Mm-hmm. You're going to spend time doing a bushwalk mm-hmm. and I'm going to go and play golf. Yes. It's weird because in, and I'm playing golf in terms of just me and the verse, the course, not playing with anyone. And you're going on a solo bushwalk. I am. So both very much needed for our headspace, I guess, at the moment, but they're not that dissimilar, really. Open air, nature. Yeah, I, look, one's far more enjoyable than the other. Oh, here we go. <laughs> no, so look, I, I really don't think that there are huge differences in that, in the way that we approach mindfulness. You know, I think that we both enjoy doing things physically that mm. get us mindful. Uh, but I also do think that, I don't know how to, to kind of, describe this without sounding like I'm drawing a bigger difference than it is. But I'm often quite black and white with what constitutes slow living, even if we don't sit down and talk about it in that way. Mm -hmm. Whereas you're much more fluid. Yeah. More gray. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, and I think part of that comes from the fact that I spend so much time thinking about it in those terms and writing about it in those terms that even though I don't think that there are rules, there certainly aren't, you know, to how you live a slower life. I do sometimes find myself in that black and white space. Uh, yeah, it's almost like you have these guiding principles, these really strong core and fundamental principles that you just abide by always. And I, I, maybe I feel like I, I tap into those principles, but they don't direct they're not my north they don't direct me always does Mm. that make sense yeah i also do think that you've shifted a lot in the past 12 to 18 months since you've been self-employed you have i don't know if it's been purposeful but embraced a lot more of slow living than you had previously why are you laughing at me i've just this new setup sorry to everyone i've just interrupted here the new setup is we've got these pillows that separate us in our in our office that are supposed to dampen the noise and it feels like i'm on home improvement 
<laughs> Am I Wilson? Talking to Wilson. I can just see Brooke's eyes and like forehead occasionally pop up over the pillows. All right, because, okay, let's just give this a bit of context. We've got to we, take a photo. We understand <laughs> that there are some audio issues at the moment and we're not, we're absolutely not ignoring <laughs> taking a photo of we're not ignoring them. We're trying very hard to fix the audio issues that some people are having where my voice can keep my, my audio track keeps kind of going up and down in volume. We have no idea why this is happening. We are trying everything to fix it. And I think the next step is probably to get new microphones, which I really don't want don't to have do. to do. I don't want to do that. But if, if we figure out that it's none of the other things, then that's what we'll be doing. So that's why we have this weird setup with pillows in between us and, Ben can only see my forehead, yep. which admittedly is very large. So. <laughs> anyway, I think we absolutely come at slow living from different places. And I think that you have shifted your take on it a lot mm. in the last 18 mm. months. And I honestly think that's because you've had the headspace too. Yeah. When you were working full time in the city, you really didn't have the opportunity to think as deeply on these things or to act on them as much as you, you do now. And it's just, it's different. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Great question though. The next question is from Alison and it's about how to manage different personality (laughs) (laughs) personality types within the family. For example, Mm -hmm. introverts versus extroverts fight or the need of solitude versus constant companionship. So how do we manage that? Do we have a mix of those in our family? We do, do you think? absolutely. Yeah, I think all of those things apply to different people in our family at different times. Mm-hmm. And I think we manage it in the same way that we've managed most things, which is to muddle through in some ways, but also to communicate and to have boundaries. And I think the overarching thing here for me is to understand that, yes, we absolutely have individual needs and they're important, but we also don't exist in a vacuum. And part of being in a relationship with anyone, any kind of relationship, is compromise. You can't just bullheadedly push through all sorts of situations going after the one thing that you personally need because that's not compromise. That's not a relationship. There's no give and take. So um, I think that over time, I've certainly come to understand that more in terms of, yes, I have needs, but so do other people. And those needs are often at odds. And I think it's growing up for me has, I've grown up a lot in understanding that and the way that I deal with it. And it's also circumstance. I was probably more pigheaded about my needs for aloneness and quiet time when the kids were little because I was so tapped out and you were working very long hours and I was really really like desperate for it so I think in that in those years I certainly wasn't particularly mindful of other people's needs once I didn't have to be Mm -hmm. that's fair enough yeah Yeah. because I was all the other times yeah in terms of managing it, though, in practical, in a practical sense, boundaries are really important. So that may mean and probably does mean that we need to take responsibility for our own needs. So let's say you're an introvert, like I'm an introvert, and you really value alone time. That's why I often get up really early in the morning because I value that alone time. And that, particularly before the kids went to school, was the only time I could get it. So I had to take responsibility for that. 
And yes, that meant going to bed earlier and getting up earlier. So I think that if you can do that and then have the conversation with your, you know, your partner, your kids, whoever, and explain to them why you're doing that and then ask them to respect that. So let's say you get up at 5 a.m. so you can have an hour of quiet time. Just have a boundary in place saying. Kids? You know, yeah, kids, if you wake up. Ben, on, if you wake up. Yeah, Ben, if you wake up. Go and watch the TV until 6 a.m. or go in to bed with dad until 6 a.m. Whatever it is, this is the time that I need. And I think that it's a combination of fluidity and compromise and boundaries that will change constantly over time. I absolutely agree with that. Right. I don't have anything to add because in all seriousness, when we spoke about this one before we recorded as well, that's exactly what it is. Mm. It's about boundaries. And I think that's going to be a reoccurring theme in a few of these questions. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I actually think the boundaries and the respect and the setting up of them is key to a lot of changes that... Yeah, they, it needs to happen really, really early in the process of managing conflict. Right. If there is a problem, get that boundary thing right because otherwise it's just going to keep going mm. and going and going and then rese- you're going to resent it. Yes. And then you will feel that like it's failing, all these different things. But... Getting that, that right early on is really, really important. So I think, yeah, the other side of boundaries is communication. Um, you know, communication with whoever you need to communicate with. Uh, and then a certain level of compromise, but also a certain le- level of perseverance. You mm. know, it's, it, it's a real tilting thing. It's a real wobbly kind of balance. Mm. So it's almost communicating the why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talk about our why a lot, which is the purpose of you doing this. But then next to that why, what that should be followed up with is how, which is the boundary thing. Mm -hmm. That's where you actually pull it all together and and crystallize it. And this is what needs to happen for that why to happen. Hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. It's boundaries, it's communication, and it's a certain level of compromise, I think. So Kerry and Emmarie both sent out a very similar question. This is the next one, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be a similar theme, I think. How do you adjust to things being out of control, out of what you had planned? And how do you regain calm, slow when life takes over? And as a bonus add, add on when you're sleep deprived and stressed. Mm. Well, I mean, they're all compounding factors, aren't they? Absolutely. And my initial reaction, I think, to that question is sometimes life just does happen despite our best efforts to live slowly or calmly there will be times where things all happen at the same time it's often the case so i think first of all an acceptance that that will happen and that that's okay and that that's not necessarily it's not a failing on your part is a really good place to begin really good place and then i think it's a matter of for me sitting with that feeling with that discomfort with that frustration with that sense of overwhelm or whatever it may be sit with it and feel it and feel your feelings. Allow yourself to feel those feelings for a little while. Because what I find often happens in that time, in that, that process of feeling your feelings, you, you sit there, you acknowledge how you're feeling. Don't judge it. Don't criticize yourself. Don't censor it. Just sit in it, roll around in it, get to, get to know it a bit. And what happens is the tension that binds you to that feeling 
often loosens uh, it and you reveals soften into itself it. in another way or yeah. it loosens yeah yeah and i soften into it then yeah. once i allow myself to feel how i'm feeling it does soften and once it's softened i can kind of take a breath and sit back and say okay this is what's happening right now a b and c of this aren't in my control but what can i do okay i can do this or i can make this change or i can shift my way of thinking about it to this and it just it, it loosens things up just a little bit to allow you to then start rethinking your, your moves or your, your actions or your inactions or your decisions. And I think, honestly, that's where the heart of it is. There's no practical advice necessarily other than to just sit in it and let it loosen around you and then, and then start to move, which is such a frustrating, like that's frustrating advice. I feel like I'm listening to myself going, yeah, okay, but what can I actually do? It's almost like you're saying suck it up. No, no, I'm not. But there is a, I'm certainly not because there are, there's almost always something we can do, but it but, may not but that, be about the But that the process issue. of being passive within that uncomfortableness where all you're feeling, all, all you want to do is, is react. And it's something yes. that you used to do. Yes, but you have got so good at it. I think that that's honestly meditation mm -hmm. and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is key to yeah. that. And it is, I'm not a Buddhist and I don't, I'm not going to pretend that I have a deep insight into Buddhist teachings. However, there is an idea in Buddhism that life is suffering and that despite how we may hear it is not actually a pessimistic negative view of life. It's simply about acceptance yeah. that there will be ups and there will be downs. And I think discomfort and change are often the same thing as well. So it's a matter of learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think really does. I can't think of a better way to say it than it loosens you. Like mm. I used to, I feel like I used to walk through life, this ball of tension, just waiting for something to smash up against me so that I could react against it. Yeah. Now I feel, I, I really do feel like I, I move through life in a much more loose way and my joints are kind of softer so that if I bump into something, I'm not knocked over or I don't shatter or I don't, you know, rally against it. There's a, a, a gentleness to mm. it and it just comes from this idea of acceptance. However, I'm also not saying be a doormat. There's a, there's a real balance, I guess, to strike between being loose and understanding that this is going to happen sometimes and putting things in place that mean it's not going to completely knock you out. And I think I went from one extreme to the, to other, the other for a while yeah. where I went from like tense ball of rage <laughs> to like loosey-goosey, everything's fine, and then everything overwhelmed me anyway because I didn't have... Any, I didn't stand up for anything. I didn't stick up for myself in any, any way in terms of systems or being organized. And I think the balance is somewhere in between. And obviously, I think it shifts depending on the circumstances. So the, that side of it is, again, this idea of taking on some responsibility about what you can do, whether that's a shift in your rhythm, whether that's doing a little bit more, whether that's doing a little bit less, whether that's saying no to something, Work out what it is that you can do to, to move things forward once you've kind of come to that looseness. And I think that's honestly where, that's where change lies. Change is, you know, is moving. All right. Christine writes in, what 
do you do when one of your kids is clearly a hoarder and leaves his or her many belongings all over the house? Mm-hmm. So any advice for Christine? Yeah, uh, yes. Oh, well, I don't like thinking that I give advice to specific situations. Uh, but I think there's a few things that I carry around in my, you know, in my head that help me with this, this kind of idea. I prefer an arsenal of weaponry. Oh, okay. Mental weaponry? or like, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. Of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I guess... For me, it's been a matter of understanding over time that our kids are going to be who they are. Mm. And both of our kids have a, a big sentimental streak. I think both of them... They, they like to collecting. collect. They both have a real collector's... Certain thing. Yeah. yeah. The collector uh, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's right. Exactly. They're aliens. And they, they keep more than... I would if I was them, but I'm not them. Right? <laughs> they and keep more than what we're comfortable with yeah, them keeping. Let's yes, be honest. Yes, they, are, they yeah. do. But I think it's been really important, again, for me to accept who they are. And when, when I did that, there was a softening. There was a loosening. There was a, okay, that's who they are. That's where they're at. What can we do to constructively help them develop good strategies for that stuff because it absolutely can become overwhelming for them undoubtedly and i feel like maybe that's what christine's getting at with her child that it becomes overwhelming not only for them or maybe they don't see it but it certainly becomes overwhelming for other people in the house which is problematic because then it starts to affect everyone so i think that once we as the adult are able to accept that yep this this child is a collector they have a sentimental streak they get security or a sense of belonging from their stuff, I think we can move on and help them in, you know, in more practical ways. So for us, again, that is boundaries. Our kids have space in their room that is theirs to do with what they want. Like our daughter has a, they, they both have a bookshelf in their bedroom and a toy box under their bed. And those spaces are basically theirs to do with as they want. And sometimes that means that there's a collection of like 75 rocks on top of the bookshelf because they're very important rocks. Mm -hmm. That's okay as long as that's where they are. And we're constantly telling them that when they clean up, put things in their place and that makes it easier for them. Mm -hmm. And look, that's successful sometimes and not so successful other times. But the, the... important part i think of it is that they have a physical boundary yeah if that bookshelf if that toy box is full and they can't fit anything else into it it's time to let go of some things and they know that and we question that them yeah about that as well yeah. exactly and yeah. if their answer is i want to keep this i've never unless it's like broken or or gross in some way yeah. never stopped them from keeping something and i think that's that for me is the key because I don't want them to turn around when they're older and feel like things were taken away from them before they were ready and cause them to, to hold on to things even more tightly mm. down the track. So mm. I think it's, again, this combination of boundaries and like rigidity in those boundaries, but also flexibility in terms of how they're allowed to operate within those boundaries. Mm. Kids feel safe that mm. way. I think they feel like they have a space that they belong, that they have control over, and it doesn't impose 
their stuff on the rest of the house. Mm. Looking at it another way, right at the beginning of that process of before it actually gets in the house is I like to encourage my kids if they've got money to spend on something, do it on an experience Absolutely. rather than stuff. Yeah. So you actually stop it before it, it manifests itself into a hoarder thing. So things recently, one of our kids got a got some money and they chose to do some a skydive. No, that sounds really bad. An eye fly, which is in a tunnel. It's indoor skydiving. Indoor skydiving. Yes. Much <laughs> safer than tossing a six-year-old out of a plane. Yeah, exactly. So there's things like that that, yeah. you know, so if they've got that money, that experience over over the stuff and yeah. that addresses the issue before it gets to the problem. Yeah, I think it's just, again, it's... It's a mindset. It is. And, and that doesn't happen overnight. That's just a no, 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 constant... No, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Low-level kind of reminder yeah. or... And, and, and also being an example. Yeah. You know, we've spoken for years about the benefit of spending our money on doing things rather like doing things rather than buying things. Mm. And our kids are starting to talk about that. Mm. They still want Lego. They still love their toys. That's fine. They're kids. Doesn't mean they have to get it first of all. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we can't continue to, to teach them the benefits of doing rather than having. Mm. And there's I, also, yeah. Yeah. And there's also that thing about like cleaning your room as well. Yeah. You know, the process of cleaning. Show them the benefits. And how much easier it is to do when you don't have heaps of stuff or that everything that you own has a space. Mm. Because often is when they're the rocks example is that, yeah, rocks take on a, take up a bit of room and they're heavy. (laughs) (laughs) So in terms of a practical approach, maybe though, what we've done with our kids is so every school holidays, we go through their room, they clean it out. First day of the school holidays, uh, we do their wardrobes, we do their toys. That's just what we do and they're used to it and it's no longer a big deal and it becomes less of a big deal every time we do it, which is fantastic. But in the instance where they've got a toy, they may not have played with it for six months, but they don't want to let it go. I will say to them, I'm going to put this in a bag in the linen cupboard. And if you don't want it or ask for it, Within six months, I'm going to donate it to charity. Are you okay with that? And they say, okay. So you've got six months. All you have to do, all you have to say to me is, mum, I want my teddy back. And if it's within six months, fine. And they know that. And, you know, I have probably gotten one toy out of that bag since we've ever done it. It's the one that keeps coming out. It's that spaceship alien thing. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, that's, that's the random toy that keeps coming back. But... That's a really one. helpful way of breaking that, um, that, that connection that I feel like kids think that they're going to miss something, but they don't because the reality is they almost always have enough anyway without it. But it gives them that security of saying, okay, I've got half a year. I've got between now and Christmas to, to ask for it. If I, and they forget about it. Yeah, and that's fine. You know? uh, so I think that, that is one practical solution that you could try and apply. The other thing is, I guess, with kids artworks and stuff like that i do i recycle them they don't not everything makes it onto the art wall and certainly not everything that's on the art wall makes it into the memory box and i feel okay about that most of the time i have i have twinges of feeling bad i do so i just want you you to know that because i think that's quite normal but the 
the opposite end of the reality there would be to keep everything and who wants 12 boxes of their artwork when they move out of home so brooke yes ben what's in your garden at the moment and sarah writes what are the best tips for a cereal plant killer okay we've got a we've got a veggie garden we do have a veggie garden. two good veggie plots Mm -hmm. raised garden beds and what's in them at the moment? Lots of greens, leafy greens. Mm. Got snow peas and peas and beans and... Lettuces. Lettuces and carrots. Quite a lot of herbs, which we've got in... Like, Some companion planting. Yeah, we do actually. Uh, we've got our citrus growing. They've been... I've been working on them for years and they're only... They're really just fruiting now for the first season it's been so nice to be able to go out and buy and pick lemons and oranges and stuff this time of year long time in the making too very long time not unusual Mm. uh, particularly because a couple of them were transplanted as well yeah so it took them a while to re-establish so uh it's winter here but we have quite mild winters and leafy greens are always a good option i guess in terms of um tips i i certainly kill my fair share of plants so it's okay But I think there's a few things that I used to underestimate the positive impact and benefit of having good soil. So we used to have our veggie beds under a big tree and they would always grow really well for the first six weeks because I'd fill the beds up with great soil and compost and feed them regularly and water them really well. And then about six weeks in, they would all just stop growing or really stunt their growth. And I realized that it was because the um, like the micro roots from the big tree next door were coming in, sensing, I guess, that all the moisture and the goodness in the soil and coming up and filling that soil with their little tiny roots and sucking all the goodness out so the veggies weren't going to grow. So once we moved our beds away from that area, we put raised beds in, we um, enclosed the bottom of them so the roots won't get in, the difference has been night and day. Um, so obviously really good soil still is very important. We use chicken, like the compost from the chooks. Um, I'll dig out the chook pen probably once every six months. And that soil is full of like the best stuff. Um, and I'll pop that in, give it a good mix. But the other, the, the thing that I really underestimated, this sounds stupid, is consistency in watering and feeding absolutely so make sure you don't underestimate the amount of water they need with things really easy things to grow like leafy greens it's hard to overwater them you'd have to try really hard to overwater them yeah yeah and i think just consistency in that so once you've got the position right you need solid sunshine you need good soil then just water and feed them with regularity probably every second day i have no idea where you live and what like how hot it is but I would usually water every second day. And while not watering them for a week, they're probably not going to die. They're certainly not going to thrive either. Yeah. So I think overestimate the amount you need to water. Particularly and and just, feed them. Yeah, yeah. With just like a liquid fertilizer or something like that. One of the basics that I believe is important okay. is talking faster. Knowing, the, knowing your soil and mm-hmm. the climate you're in. So the yeah. actual climate that you're in. In Australia, there's, and you're subscribed to a fabulous organisation called Diggers Club. Mm-hmm. 
and that's where you get the majority of the information that yes. you have. So they will look at yeah. where you live and give you specific information about that on your climate. seasons and yeah, yeah all yeah. that sort of stuff. So wherever you live, see if you can find that information online. You can get like a gardening zone, uh, and that will tap into when you can plant things and when you should plant things. Because that's, I think, the biggest thing to avoid heartbreak, like right at the start. You've yeah. got to get that right. Yes, because I used to plant things like I planted Brussels sprouts and All stuff. that stuff. We don't get cold enough to yeah. grow them. Yeah. Uh, and I always kind of felt like a bit of a failure. So I think a little bit of research. If you're in Australia, there's a good app called Garden 8, Garden 8, um, Garden A-T-E at the end. Uh, I'd probably recommend that to start with as well. And, yeah, water and food. All right, these next couple of questions we answered, as we mentioned at the top of the show, in our live call. So we're going to, they're going to be quick fire questions. Mm -hmm. Mindful exercises, Amy writes in. What do you love? I mean, Amy says that we, we, she knows that we love yoga and hiking. What other exercise movements are in line with slow living for you, Brooke? Currently, uh, indoor rock climbing is a big one for me it's and our family yeah it's a, all, it's all a family activity it is and i i absolutely love it i'm quite obsessed with it these days i mean i wouldn't necessarily have picked it as a mindful sort of exercise but it really is because you've you've got to tap into what you're doing mm-hmm. you there's an element of problem solving you absolutely have to be present physically present with what your body is doing and i've never been more aware of like the position of my legs and my hands and my hips and, you know, pulling yourself close into the wall and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy yeah. the technical side of it too. I'm not, I'm not great at it and I, I want to get better, but I, I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah. The physicality it's, of it. It's yeah. The physicalness of it is really nice over the mental side as well. So it's a nice, they actually come together quite beautifully yeah. in that exercise, but the adrenaline I really enjoy. Yeah. And you've got to be switched on every time you're doing it. Yeah. You've got to be courageous almost. Well, you do. I, you know doing. what? I don't like heights. Mm. I don't like heights. And the first time I did it, I, I almost froze mm. if, if ever I looked down or too far up. And I've really enjoyed conquering that. Yeah. So when you're at our stages where we've developed a little bit and we're jumping for holds, like hands or footholds. You are. <laughs> it's, yeah, it requires courage and Mm. it's really fun and i like the supportive nature of it as well like you're always blaming me or vice Mm. versa and you have to pay attention to that as a partner too yeah you really yeah Yeah, anyway it's it's a great exercise and i can highly recommend it the other thing that we've really enjoyed and i think i probably enjoy it the most out of everyone is barefoot bushwalking Hmm. so we go for bushwalks a lot but i love barefoot the barefoot version there's a, a real mindfulness to it there's a slowness to it because you have to otherwise you're going to rip your feet up but um and it's a, a grounding kind of exercise i guess the final one and i know you disagree with me here in in terms of it being slow but snowboarding and skiing oh yeah yeah like you can't yeah. get past the there's a real scene with snow sports mm. and it's kind of consumer driven and yes absolutely but for me sliding down a mountain particularly mm. on a quiet day, is phenomenal. It's, yeah, it's wonderful. And I, I don't know, I just get the biggest kick out of it. I love it, but I... You I wouldn't do. have called it slow. I don't or really call it slow. Mm. If you hiked up a mountain and then... If you earn your turns. Yeah, you earn, earn your turns, then maybe. 
So last mm. couple of questions. Lisa writes in, what are you reading at the moment, Brooke? I'm reading book. a book. Yes, yeah. I'm reading Stephen King's It. What about a blog? Ooh, I'm reading a lot of travel blogs at the moment. Yeah, getting my head switched on. Uh, magazines? I don't read a lot of magazines, but I have enjoyed um, Dumbo Feather and Pip and Peppermint magazines. And um, yeah. We don't purchase magazines. I don't, no. But you read them in coffee shops. I do, sometimes. yeah. The, my favourite coffee shop has all of those. Yeah. Okay. What are you listening to at the moment? In terms of music? Or podcasts. Okay. I'm listening to the Lumineers yes. music. And podcasts, I'm listening to Comedy Bang Bang because it's absurd and I love it. And I also just listened to Paul F. Tompkins being interviewed on a podcast called The Hilarious World of Depression. And it's comedians being uh, interviewed about their experiences with depression and mental health. And it was awesome. And what about what you what are you reading aloud to your children at the moment? So we have actually just rediscovered the joy of audiobooks when we drove to Byron recently and we listened to Roald Dahl, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Stephen Fry doing uh, Harry Potter. Uh, but in terms of reading aloud ourselves, we're actually reading the BFG at the moment, Roald Dahl, which was my favourite Roald Dahl book as a kid. All right. Very All right. good. Yes. We hope you guys enjoyed this hostful as much as we enjoyed peering over one another. <laughs> Make sure we put that up as some social media laugh. (laughs) Uh, It is pretty funny. Yeah, it is pretty ridiculous. Anyway, I hope you guys have a wonderful week and we will catch you soon. Bye.